Hello and welcome to Talk Tales, a comedy podcast exploring stories from behind and beyond the bar. We're your hosts. I'm Shauna. I'm Matt. And guess what, Matt? What? This is not a full Talk Tales episode, uh, but it's a... a tiny Talk Tales, a Tiny Tales. A Tiny Tales yeah. episode. I love them. I know. I love them too because it, gets a, it, it gives us the opportunity to kind of get into topics that we usually don't really get into on our normal like talk tales episodes and so i feel like they're a little more relaxed too not as not as wild and crazy not as wild and crazy not like not like have you know like shots and bombs and like uh yeah. dancing girls and and <laughs> yeah so the behind the scenes that nobody sees and the guys hula hooping in the corners yeah <laughs> i do love a hula hoop no one knows that that actually happens during our episodes oh, because, uh, oh my God, <laughs> our dog is knocking things over. Oh, oh the she, Talktail's dog is still uh, around. <laughs> yeah, she's so old and she keeps doing crazier and crazier things. Uh, so, yeah. yeah, most people don't realize that normally when we're recording, um, there's all that commotion happening in the background, but we keep focused mm-hmm. and we keep talking and it doesn't matter. It won't stop us. Nope, not at all. Especially now because we're doing a tiny tales and we're gonna be focused like ninjas. Let's do it. All right. Uh without further ado, I want to uh introduce our guest today. It's really, really exciting to me because this is a topic that we have not touched on. Um, but without further ado, shall we introduce from Bar Metrics Arno and Sucky Bomb. Sucky Bomb. <laughs> I didn't say we weren't going to have fun. Yeah. <laughs> At least with the nicknames. Yeah, right? <laughs> I, nickname. I don't even know what that means because, like, this is a totally real thing right now. <laughs> I don't know what was up God with your parents. Yeah, your fault. parents named you Sucky Bomb. That must be a pretty, pretty impressive situation. SB is my initial. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, Bar Metrics. Uh, Arno, this is your company. Mm-hmm. Uh, for anyone that doesn't know what bar metrics is, please let's like get into the whole yeah. nitty gritty about it. Um, it feels like I came to the wrong podcast because the other one with hula hoops and shots and bombs, it sounded pretty awesome. Anyways. <laughs> uh, oh, sorry. I didn't mean to disappoint. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. For those who, who don't know what we do, we, we call ourselves a full service hospitality consulting company, but we really focus on inventory control and efficiency is the backbone of what we do. And we kind of do all of our coaching based off of knowing what the pain points are for the client behind the bar and helping make them as profitable as possible. Nice. Definitely. I think everyone could get on board with that. Yeah, yeah. exactly. <laughs> yeah, that's what I thought too. So, yeah. How long have you been doing this? Uh, I've owned it for almost five years now. And then uh, you you work amongst a bunch of bars in Los Angeles. Yeah, yeah. So So I own the LA office, but we have global offices in Sydney and London and Abu Dhabi now, apparently, which I don't even know how that works. Um, <laughs> so yeah, I don't I actually don't know. Um, so yeah, so I've, I've owned the LA market for over five years and we've worked with over 75 clients now total and kind of growing. So great. great. Yeah. That's yeah. really like forward thinking of, of you and like, you know, making this a option for bars. Yeah, you know, it's whenever we got into it, so my brother and I initially bought it and we looked at a couple of different businesses. We were going to open up like a smoothie stand and all this goofy stuff. And when I when we came across this, we met with the like the corporate CEOs and all those guys. And I was like, I had never been a bartender before. In all honesty, I'm I'm a numbers guy. Like you guys were talking about cocktails earlier and I had no idea what you're talking about. (laughs) Sounded delicious. though. Um, Just leave that to Saki Bob. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Yeah, she was crushing. Um, 
But whenever I saw the kind of the business, I was like, I don't, you don't have to have a numbers background to know that this is very, very important. And I think anyone can kind of get on board with what it means. And for me, more importantly, was helping people. Like I love working business owner to business owner and helping people's business thrive because I think it trickles down to their employees and all that. Anyways, I just thought it was a really good opportunity and something different. Very yeah. cool. I guess we can kind of briefly touch on our experience. Have you done inventory at your, your bars previously? Yeah, I, I've done inventory before. I have never done inventory. Uh, one, just because I never was like that shift uh, in my previous jobs. And then the, my recent one, because we just don't really do that. <laughs> it's like handle just by like per bottle and not really by any type of metric that uh, <laughs> that exists. So it it's fun, but it's, you know, I'm not sure where the business side of that goes. You're, Hopefully we're just making enough money to not have it really be a worry. But, sure. But yeah, I've never, yeah, never done an inventory really for for any bar well, that I've worked. We're always hiring. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Let's break this down a little bit for listeners because, like, like Matt, a lot of people haven't done inventory behind a bar before. So, what does that look like? to do inventory for you guys. Uh, I have done it myself, but like, I probably didn't do it as in such, uh, what, what am I trying to say? Like exact, maybe like science to maybe how you guys do it. So let's, let's break this down for listeners. Mm-hmm. Oh, sake bomb. You know, now that I think about it, I realized before bar metrics came onto the scene, I've been to a few bars and have you ever realized when it comes to managers doing inventory, they just kind of look at the bottle, look at the cage count it by their eyes and be like, oh, that bottle's open. That's 65% full. <laughs> you know what I mean? Right. Like we all eyeball it out, but mm-hmm. we don't actually put it on a scale, weigh it. We don't really go deep into the numbers. No, no, oh, no. no. Oh, no. no. Like straight up, yeah, I was like, like this one's open. Yeah. I was straight up like, oh, this one's open. Oh, that one was drank. Like, yeah. <laughs> like on, exactly. the, on the sheet was drank. Yeah. Was drank. Wasn't drank. Locked like Slightly not drank. Yet. Yeah. Cork still in. Yeah. <laughs> and for me, and the worst part about that in general is like it's usually an, an afterthought with mm-hmm. most bars and restaurants. And the philosophy from owners or management typically is like, well, we pay our bar manager salary and they're already here 60 hours a week or 70 hours a week. So what's five more hours tacked onto their shift already. So they do it at midnight and they leave at four in the morning. And it's like something that's vital to how you operate as a business is an afterthought to someone who doesn't do it for a living. They're not skilled about it. And frankly, they probably don't give a shit Mm -hmm. and I don't blame them because they're there to run the bar and engage with customers. That's their real focus. So why would you have them do something that's way outside their wheelhouse? Mm-hmm. Interesting. It just never made sense to me. Yeah. I mean, it really doesn't. Like, I'm not a numbers person. Ask, give me three numbers. Yeah. <laughs> right now, somebody. Eight, seven, 20,000. Oh, 20,000 and 15. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> Did I get it? Nailed it. Nailed it. <laughs> All right. <laughs> All so right, you're that, a liar. Equa- that equation really did work out pretty well. I, it was gonna be a lot- I really thought it was going to be a lot harder. Oh, nice. Perfect. <laughs> We're a team. I got I, you. Yeah, thanks, Matt. You made me look, you made me yeah, look yeah. a lot better on, on our podcast than it could have been. Perfect, perfect. <laughs> but yeah, do you go? So you go that in depth with the whole, like, you know, science of calculating all of that aspect of. Yeah, for sure. So, like, obviously, on just a week to week basis, 
you know, we're basically reconciling how much you sold versus purchases, and we weigh all the bottles and do all that stuff and compile all the data in our proprietary software. And we can tell you down to the tenth of an ounce what went across being unaccounted for, et cetera, et cetera. And like we were speaking about earlier, it's a lot more than just saying, like, you lost two shots of Jameson your staff did it or whatever. It's like, okay, well, why is this happening? And how do we make sure that you don't lose product unaccounted for? And that means anything. If you throw parties or have industry shots, which I know is a big thing, particularly for Jameson and for Net, um, <laughs> which, is all, which is all good. I like that you know the numbers of what the industry's drinking. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the amount of data in my head is ridiculous. Oh, yeah, um, that's so good. And then bringing that to ownership and saying, like, is this where you want to be and what you want to be doing and does this fit the culture of what you're trying to accomplish and it's a bigger conversation than just you lost five Budweiser's this week which that's part of it kind of but it's really a bigger in-depth conversation than that Mm -hmm. well that's like directly because of you though like I mean I feel like just crunching numbers is one thing but like you clearly have like a, a, a specific interest in the longevity of your your job which also is the longevity of the bar's side too so it's like if you you're keeping the bars open by giving them accurate information uh and solutions that's huge sure like that's above and beyond in my point opinion for sure yeah it, and that's what we kind of tell people is yeah we we do your inventory but you can pay people not a lot of money to count beer bottles but it's really that coaching element of like identifying your pain points and then asking you and your staff like what do you really want to accomplish with your bar do you just want to be a little neighborhood bar that does 12 grand a week you can do that by yourself working a few shifts a week or do you want to really impact the industry and your neighborhood and if you want to do that then you really need to elevate your game and make sure you're cranking out the right volume and all that kind of stuff mm-hmm. so it really is taking it to the next level and i you know saki bomb and i have <laughs> talked about this quite a bit which is yes ownership makes more money and blah 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 but at the end of the day if you're making the bartenders more efficient and they're able to crank out more drinks per hour that's money directly in their pockets as well Mm -hmm. and if they know that the place where they work is structured and stable and increasing in revenue it's not just how many bud lights are you missing it's like how do we make everybody successful and more money yeah because ultimately every everyone's working together that's it like you know, as a bartender, you're as good as your best bar back. You are, you know, as a restaurant, you're as good as your best dishwasher. So if those people are happy and the bartenders are happy, then the managers should be happy. And then the owners should be happy. Like it starts from, everyone says like trickle down. No, no, no. It's like a bar and restaurants trickle up. It's like, make sure those people are happy and then everyone else is going to be happy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What I, what That's I like, how I see it. Yeah. What I liked about it is that it's, it's, you like not just it's not just like this company that comes in and is like throwing numbers at everyone and asking like why is this number like lower than others and stuff it's like oh like what do you want do you want like a bar that likes to give away a few shots to people like in regulars like i love that you know it's not just some like you know swat team that rolls in measures everything and's like this is happening this is happening it's like oh like yeah is that cool with you because this is what it is right you know like if you're giving away Jameson, like that's cool. Cause that's the example we had uh, like a while back. Yeah. We were talking about it. So, yeah. Yeah. It's cool. If you, that's what you want. So yeah. I just want to yeah. know if this isn't barometrics, like style of counting. Uh, I don't know where I learned this Jimbo, uh, <laughs> but you just take a, a, a yardstick and stick it down the beer cooler. And if all the beers line up to the same number, that means you got 14 beers. <laughs> Uh, yeah, that would not be what we did. Uh, I don't think our clients would pay us if that is what we did. Uh, so where's that yardstick then? Yeah, it may be faster than what That's we do. Straight but, up what yeah. I used to do. I That's I, yeah. How would you? How do you? So it's by weight then you would measure a keg. As yeah. far as like okay. Yeah. How do you measure them? It, like it's a big ass scale it's or a something. Big ass scale. Yeah. 
I mean, and we always invite any client or GM, like if you're not sure about what we do or you're, you're a little skeptical, like come in and watch us. If you can help, you can help too. Cause the shit's heavy. You know what I mean? But, <laughs> oh, do you like, mind grabbing those? Yeah. yeah help me but out, come in and watch us. Like we're all about transparency. And I think it's, that's pretty disarming in a lot of ways. I think we live, you know, with a lot of distraction and people trying oh, to, God, dis- yeah. you know, kind of obfuscate what they actually do. And, and for me, if, if you just say, hey, this is what we do, this is what we're about, come in and watch us, let's just do this together, I think a lot of times that kind of disarms people too. So, mm-hmm. but Yeah, it's like a trustworthy thing, and it's like not, not well, the most crazy. Well, my like, thing has always been like you go into a client's bar, and they give you keys and the alarm code, and then we're in there at 5 in the morning, and we talked about this, nothing mm-hmm. good happens after midnight, so why are we there at 5 in the morning, you know what I mean? <laughs> and, there's a, and there's a trust level that has to be there where it's like I'm going to go into your bar when nobody else is there, and you're going to get And touch your alarm, all your alcohol. All of your product, everything yeah. that makes you money, we're going to touch it mm-hmm. and hopefully not break it, right? Like, yeah. So. That's that, kind of hard. Have you ever to... encountered like going in like in the – like setting the alarm or like the alarm and then light like try and find lights and then all of a sudden like knocking over all the glassware yes yes i have <laughs> uh not lately well, for anyone who's listening but oh, yeah gosh. i don't know why there's so many glasses on the edge of shelves i don't know why it's so <laughs> precarious all the time but. like what are you guys doing back there you <laughs> yeah. bartenders yeah hey, you guys are like ballerinas back there i don't know how you do it it's like so <laughs> graceful i'm so clumsy well yeah. we all wear the, the point shoes and it just works out yeah. Right. Matt, Matt looks so great in those ballerina shoes. I do. They're so comfy. Yeah. Yeah. Got a lot of material. What's the craziest thing you've encountered like at 5 a.m. going into a foreign territory? Uh, In downtown. Rats. Definitely. <laughs> I've definitely seen rats oh, for sure. And I always tell people like I don't work for the city. I don't like I am all about confidentiality. I'll tell you what I saw, but that's where it ends. So, uh-huh, yeah. Uh-huh. but yeah, I've seen I've seen rats. Um. I've gone in and actually bartenders were still drinking whenever I went into work oh, at geez. five in the morning. <laughs> and I was like, guys, I'm, I'm not going to say anything, but you should probably leave so we can go ahead and do our thing. You know? Yeah. So what did they say? They were actually really cool about it. They're like, like yeah, uh, yeah, no worries. They're like, can <laughs> yeah. we just comp this bottle? And I was like, well, if the owner says, sure, yeah, I don't care what you're you like, do with yeah, it. Yeah, like, that's your policy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's I'm fireball. It's cheap. You know? <laughs> <laughs> so. Oh, my God. They're drinking Yummy. fireball. Could you imagine staying up till 5 in the morning drinking fireball? Oh, like, my hat's off to them. Like, I wouldn't be able to do that. Hell no. I'd wake up like a hungover. What about you, Soggy Bomb? Could you drink some fireball till 5? There was a time and place for that in my life. <laughs> Definitely. I've outgrown that. <laughs> I have not. Yes. I love my secret love for Fireball. It's not so secret anymore, but I love that stuff. Oh yeah, I forgot that you like it so much. Yeah, it's like a fun thing for me, but it's my guilty pleasure. Gonna... I don't do it every weekend, but still. <laughs> yeah. This is actually an intervention, Matt. We're all oh, here. <laughs> you got me again. <laughs> it's the fourth time they've tried. I haven't broken yet. No. We'll get him. We will get him. Or just drink what you like. Yeah. I'm not, I'm still gonna hang out with you. Mm-hmm. Oh, great. <laughs> <laughs> Whether you like it or not. Uh, okay, so rats, drunken bartenders. In downtown, mm. quite a few people, you know, sleeping on the stoop and all that stuff. And you got to step over. Do you have to walk over, over oh, God, people? Yeah. Step over them, yeah. Do you ever like, excuse me? I did it early. Like we talked, I'm from Texas, so I'm like super, super polite, probably to a fault. And very early on, I'd be like, sir, excuse me, I, I have to go to work. And then they didn't care. So now I'm grizzled and just like walk over them and whatever. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Well, That's I mean, I want us to go. Yeah. 
yeah, the show must go on. Yeah, and, yeah. You're, and you're it is your work. kind because you're not waking them up. So in a way, I would still never be want, polite. Yeah, I would never yeah. want to wake. You're not being rude up. about it. You're just like have to get from A to B. Work has to be done. Man. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. What yeah. a wild like schedule too. Because as a bartender, you know we we're wrapping up and hopefully out of there by three. Yeah, mm-hmm. I've worked at bars where like legit, I'm not getting out of there. Not because of drinking. Not sitting there drinking, which I have been in those bars before too. But. uh yeah, we're, I'm still cleaning and like wrapping up at like five in the morning where yeah. it's like, oh, yeah. I think I am going to go on a permanent vacation. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know how <laughs> like, you guys do that. Oh, dude, oh, it's God. so gnarly. And so what a totally different like time and place to be around like and seeing the world at that time. Which I actually like. I like driving home at three in the morning or like oh, get like walking. Freeways are actually usable. It's yeah. Incredible. And like walking around downtown. Through, you see like the, to- it's just like a total different world that most people don't see. So mm-hmm. I'm, I'm sure like that's the case for you too. Like, yeah. Yeah. We start super early and most of our guys are done around noon or so. And then they work from home the rest of the day. And, and you have a lot of bartenders working for you. Um, Yes and no. Like we kind of have them trickle in and out. I think a lot of them like the extra money or they like the extra shifts that clearly never really interfere with their, you know, mm-hmm. passion, which is which is bartending. But then I think when they start to say, like, oh, I'm going to bed pretty late and waking up really early, it's a little yeah. bit harder than people think it is. Mm-hmm. So I've actually found that some of the better people working for me, it doesn't really work out just from morally a, a scheduling perspective than anything else. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So makes sense. But, yeah, because that is a pretty well, it's either one's gnarly, but that's yeah, yeah it's, they're a, both, it's a weird they're both schedule bad in their yeah. own way. Right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But yeah. So another element of bar metrics that is an up and coming idea and it's going to be executed right soon. I'm Possibly. thinking is oh, yeah. why we have sake bomb here. Uh, <laughs> and I think listeners, uh, sake bomb is a bartender professional. Uh, you are, I know you. Hi. Listeners, sorry, uh, Saki Bomb is going to go under the alias because of what we're going to talk about and like what's going to happen with this part of, of Bar Matrix. And I'm really excited to talk about this. We've we met beforehand and this is kind of like why we're getting into this podcast because this is like a topic that I totally want to talk about. And the topic that we're going to be talking about now with Saki Bomb and Arno is secret shopping, right? Yep. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. So go ahead and like explain kind of like where you guys are going to go down this road with secret shopping. Cause basically listeners who don't know bartenders get secret shop, just like any other, uh, like business restaurant, blah, blah, blah. Retail. And so yeah, retail auto mechanics, yeah. Yeah, I'm sure, I'm sure every, indus- every industry has some level, you of know, you got to get checked secret, up on by yeah. secret people, uh, people checking on people. Mm-hmm. This sounds so awful to be the way I say it. Um, and so, but anyway, so secret shoppers for bartenders always end up feeling like really shitty after you get secret shop because well, there's so many, so many, so many variables that happen mm-hmm. behind a bar that can During potentially yeah, maybe not give people like the most complete. beautiful, complete service situation. Mm-hmm. So this is what we're going to talk about. Take it, Saki Bob. <laughs> hey. <laughs> All right. So clearly the objective is, is to walk into a bar and judge the hell out of everybody. 
No, I'm just kidding. No, <laughs> I'm just kidding. Definitely not it. <laughs> that is the opposite of Rewind. what we're doing. The complete opposite. So I have been personally going around talking to, you know, a number of bartenders around the community, getting their perspective of what happened when you were secret shopped. Because whenever you say, whenever you say secret shop, it automatically has such a negative tone to it, right? Mm -hmm. You just think of bad things or being fired. And I realized, why do bartenders automatically think they're going to get fired from a secret shop? Because all the bartenders I know do their jobs right. So why do they automatically go in that that route? So I, I really, really thought about it. And I realized it's because not even half, I would say maybe 75 to 80% of the time when a bartender is doing something quote unquote wrong on their secret shop, it's not their fault. It's always another variable. So for an example, I remember I was behind the bar one night and there was a birthday party that was coming in. They called a reservation. It was supposed to be 25 people. I was the only bartender on site that night, and it was not 25 people. It was 107 people. Holy shit. For one bartender. So you can already imagine, I am not going to get to every single person within five minutes. I am not going to be able to acknowledge every human being coming through my entrance and say hi. I can't make eye contact with every person. I can definitely try to acknowledge them all and be like, hey, I see you. You're one. You're number two. You're three, four, Mm -hmm. five, and I will call out the next five people in queue. You know what I mean? But... I can't obviously serve 106 people at the same time in the span of two hours. So clearly, if a secret shopper comes in in that moment and they don't know anything about bartending, all they see is me ignoring them for 20 minutes and then finally getting around and be like, hey, guys, I'm so sorry. What can I get you? What do you need? Mm-hmm. And like that, just wanting the information at hand. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like no nothing else. Like I don't care how, how you are. You don't care how I am. I know you want your drink. Exactly. Let's I just, just like get this transaction done with <laughs> and we're both going to be happy and move on. Yeah. Exactly. Like in, in those like high volume situations, I can't necessarily go up to you, talk to you about your day. You know, the yeah. usual like happy hour crowd where you can have a conversation. This is me going boom, boom, boom. Here's your drink. Here's your shot. Here's your beer. I can't talk. Hi, bye. Get out of here. Tips? He- hello? Yeah, hey, hi. Close. How do you want? Yeah. yeah. What do you What do you want? <laughs> it's It's just a madhouse. So when every time I talk to a bartender and they tell me they had a bad experience with secret shoppers, it's because they're usually in the weeds, and whoever's doing that job doesn't realize what's happening in their environment and why their bartender can't give them the hundred percent, like you know, complete beautiful experience that they should have. Mm. And not to mention, if anyone who doesn't no secret shopping, there's usually a paper that mm-hmm. asks specific questions yes. geared towards the performance. Like you kind of already mentioned, it's like, mm-hmm. were you greeted within five minutes? Mm-hmm. Were you given eye contact? Were you asked how you were? Were you, you know, there's this criteria of a standard of service mm-hmm. that depending on where you are, it's very questionable if you're actually going to receive that or not. Definitely. And it do- but it also doesn't necessarily mean that you're receiving bad service. Mm-hmm. Due to like the broad criteria of that specific application, yeah, or exactly, that, or that that bartender is like consistently being that type of bartender, you know, right, like right. Whatever. It's like yeah, specific circumstances. Like for example, I think uh, there is a specific secret shopper group for bars. I forgot what the name was, but they have a very standard questionnaire for each bar client that they have. And they don't necessarily adjust that questionnaire to the style of bar. Which is, yeah. So for example, right. So for example, like, let's say I go to a neighborhood bar Monday night 
and I decided to go to a single spirit bar on a Wednesday night, and then I decided to go to a club Friday night. I can't have the same questionnaire for all three bars. They're all totally different environments, different themes, different niches, different staff. You have to build a completely different survey for them. Mm. And to have the same question for each bar is ridiculous. That's just unfair. Yeah, it, yeah. It's, set, it's setting up for failure, mm-hmm. for sure. And then, which you already mentioned, where does that failure land on? Who does that? Whose responsibility does that failure f- land on? The bartender. Great point. <laughs> it's always the bartender, yeah, right? Yeah. Wrong. <laughs> it's never the bartender. So if you go into a bar and you see a bartender that's 80 people deep by themselves and there's no bar back, there's no one helping them. If you see them on their phone and making drinks, they're probably calling for SOS. They're, they're trying to get someone in there to help you. But when you see that, the main, my main question is, did the manager get enough staff tonight? Did they forget about an event in their neighborhood? Like, what happened there? Because clearly, it's not the bartender's fault that they can't serve over 100 people. That's just a very hard challenge for anybody. Yep. So the question is, did the manager schedule appropriately that day? Did they remember there's a, I don't know, Echo Park Rising around the corner. They're going to get a whole bunch of crowd people coming in. Like there's always a there's always a question outside of the bartender doing their job wrong. Yeah. And also, even if, okay, no one's perfect. Even if there was a, a situation like that, that was forgotten. Is there a place where you can fill the gaps of like easily like, make it better mm-hmm. like can you make it better in in those crunch situations you know mm-hmm. exactly so i created a questionnaire survey whatever you want to call it i created my own list of questions where it's all very direct and it nitpicks certain things out of your bar experience so i'm not attacking the bartender i'm more thinking of the actual bar in a big picture group Okay, Mm -hmm. so if I go into service, I start with looking at the outside. I want to see if it's presentable, cigarette butts on the ground, et cetera. And even like my favorite question about the outside impression is, do your cigarette smokers crowd your entrance? That's kind of a deal. Is your door closed when that happens? Is it open when that happens? Does the smoke linger into your bar? Like, you know, those things Mm -hmm. that people don't necessarily think about. Or even like, hey, how was the Uber Lyft traffic? Was was there like 10 cars piling up and it was kind of dangerous for you to get out of your car or get picked up? Like those are all things to kind of think about in that perspective. And also questions that an owner of a bar would love to hear that feedback. And they should know. Yeah. Because, mm-hmm. hell, I wouldn't want to be an owner and realize there was a Lyft accident outside of my bar because someone did a stupid pickup on their phone be like, ugh. Yeah, yeah it's like, are people having a run across? Like, yeah, yeah, you know what I mean? You, you have to keep those kind of details in mind. Um, but as far as the bar focus questions, I really tried my best to not necessarily focus on the bartender in, in the sense of, like, how's their grooming? How's their outfit? You know what I mean? Like, Origin, like generally that doesn't matter too much unless it's a very specific bar. So if you're working at like a high-end cocktail bar and you have like, you know, a craft suit, then, you know, you know, I, you shouldn't have a wrinkle in your, in your clothes. Like that's kind of a part of your job in that sense, the aesthetics. But if you work in a neighborhood bar, like I'm not going to judge you if you're in t-shirt and jeans. Mm-hmm. So those are all relative, right? And if I wasn't a bartender and I just went into a bar, I wouldn't know that. I just be like, oh, he looks real lazy. Check, you know what I right. mean? Right. Yeah. Yeah. Like sloppy. Yeah. Like, 
Yeah. Like, like oh, this know. guy totally didn't tie his hair. I'm pretty sure when you're in a restaurant, you're supposed to handle your hair in there or something. Mm-hmm. Check. Yeah, because like you're just giving a narrative fed mm-hmm. to you about service standards from a broad situation. Exactly. So it's like, yeah. His hair wasn't tied back. That's a negative point. Like you're like, oh fuck. You're like because a million bartenders don't put their hair back. Exactly. We don't. Mm-hmm. You don't see guys. bartenders with beard nets or anything like that. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I mean, and uh, hello, bars and beards. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's part of the resume. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> if I could have one, I would too. <laughs> I mean, I'm sorry. Did you ever find a beard or a random piece of hair in your shot glass? I don't think so. I haven't. Yeah. Right. I, I haven't not, either. I mean, yep. Props uh, to the bartenders if they ever did. Find a hair in there. They probably caught it. <laughs> Although I did watch a video once about a bartender straining a cocktail through his beard. Ooh. Yeah, wasn't it? Was in another country, wasn't it? Or was it in? No, I think US? it was like no. It was somewhere like in like Australia, <sighs> of course. Russian or German. Yeah. <laughs> no, was I don't it know. filtered well? I don't think so. Probably <laughs> not. It was just a question. Yeah. Was there mint in there? Because that's there's probably I'm... residue of conditioner. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. It's a conditioned cocktail. A little aftertaste of coconut oil. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's just the essence. Oh, man. That would have been an interesting day to walk in on that shopping. But yeah, yeah. In, in general, no. Yeah, yeah. I've never had Exaggerated. A, I've never had a hair. Situations notwithstanding. And also, like, if I've had something in my cocktail, it's usually like a little bug that, like, flew into it. Yeah. Like, Are you on a patio bar or is it, like, inside a very, like, mm-hmm. a, a giant, like, establishment or something like that? Like, where is it? And not that to mention, matter. like, it's alcohol. It's very, it's, it's going to clean anything that touches like it's booze. <laughs> yeah. Right. I mean, in the mind of bartenders, we don't care. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I know. It'll I guess kill it's a totally different mindset. Yeah, yeah. We're just like that level. <laughs> All right. Numbers guy. How you feel about yeah. this? Uh, a little different. As a consumer. <laughs> <laughs> of alcohol I'm like, bottle, it's a hundred proof. It's, it's yeah. going to sanitize everything. Extra protein. Yeah. yeah right? I'm like, I'll drink nobody. the one with the bug first, then chase it with the hundred proof and yeah. we're going to be good. <laughs> I've probably drank more questionable things. Oh, no one said we're great. <laughs> but, yeah, but I like that. I do like that outlook of it because it's, I don't know, there's like personal trainers that just, in a sense, like create these like cookie cutter like programs for all of their clients. And they'll just be like, Bob, 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 you're doing this. But then they're like the personal trainers who actually get to know their clients mm-hmm. and like know that they've had certain problems with their knees in the past or their back and like therefore adjust their workouts based on like how they have to how to make them successful get stronger but not injure themselves all this other stuff and it sounds like that's kind of like where you're going towards is creating these questionnaires to help overall but also adjusting them to like the pertinent time the pertinent bar the pertinent crowd hours all that kind of stuff exactly and, and that's honestly it sounds kind of fun because it's like very exact Mm -hmm. and i kind of like that like finding weird details and things exactly that's cool like Like, the lift thing i never would have thought of like that's pretty brilliant i never planned on like sending someone out on a friday or saturday night around 11 or midnight and do a service you know guest service check there Mm -hmm. that's not the goal because i already know you guys are going to be in the weeds on a friday saturday night around midnight Mm -hmm. that's not the optimal time to really see your service and see well pretty much how the staff works in their in their environment Mm -hmm. and so for me i thought i thought about in a few different ways so i realized 
the best way to kind of look at it is to send someone during happy hour and see how the happy hour staff is. Because as bartenders, we understand that if you're working happy hour, it's because your kung fu and bartending is creating regulars. You're good at conversation and that's why you're on the happy hour scheduling, right? And if you're at night, it's because you're high volume. You're really good at just slinging drinks like crazy. So we understand that. But the average person wouldn't know that depending on what time you go to the bar, you have different bartenders, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. So I realized you should have a person going in happy hour ad- assessing that. You should have someone going on a Friday night assessing that. Mm-hmm. You should have someone going on a Wednesday afternoon assess. You have to go on different points of the day to get the whole scenario of your entire staff. Because one bartender on a weekend night does not give you the answer of that business. Mm-hmm. Very because true. if that's what you're looking for, I'm sorry, you're going to have to fire a lot of people. Yeah, so it's going to be so different. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, 100%. Yeah, and-, and not to mention, just side thought, there there was a secret shopper that came in my job uh, who left a review that knocked points off here and there, blah, blah, blah. I don't know. I don't remember the specifics. But then also when we got the report back, the bartenders, the women bartenders that were working – read the report and with the description of the entire like thing, you, re- we remember who the person is that mm-hmm. reviewed because they leave like details that like we remember, like mm-hmm. we, we remember our transactions, even if it's like five deep, like if you're a specific scenario out of that five deep, that isn't just like, I want a Jack and Coke or I want a Manhattan or I want an old fashioned. And that's like the end of the transaction. If mm-hmm. you do something that's specific, which a secret chopper probably will do. You're going to remember it. You don't, you, you know, it, it's so that secret shop, the, the bartender was like, Oh, I remember this. That guy asked for my phone number and tried to take me out on a date. <laughs> <laughs> oh God. And viewers, I am closing my eyes while she's telling me this. Oh God. <laughs> like straight up. So like, what's up with that shit? So like you guys are, you know, your, your, your brainchild here is, much different scenario than what's actually happening. Yes, yeah. definitely. Mm-hmm. That's, I'm so sorry that happened. Yeah. <laughs> I, I will apologize for that person because yeah, right? that is extremely Jeez. unprofessional. I know, unbelievable, oh. right? And this is why I feel like as far as secret shopping in the bar community, why not be judged by your peers? who understands your situation. Who we're already judging anyway. Exactly. Yeah. They're you already. <laughs> <laughs> well, perfect. We're always so bitter. <laughs> I know. It's like, ugh. Like, all I just want is a freaking, like, shot of freaking whiskey. Yeah. What do I got to do around here, you know? Yeah. <laughs> but then but then we all, like, look around. We're like, oh, that person's, like, we did hear that. You know, you, mm-hmm. you can see through the entire, like, bar and restaurant what is happening. You yeah. know, you know. So you're exactly. patient and you chill. And you're just like, all right, whatever happens, happens, you know? I mean, another good example, um, you know how uh, L.A. recently released their Michelin star restaurants? Yeah. And so I love food. Love food. I am I am a fatty. I will admit that. I am I a fatty. I think it's pronounced foodie. Yeah. No, no, no. Fatty. Yeah. <laughs> so, I like that better. <laughs> so I went to one of the uh, Michelin star restaurants on that list. And, you know, as a hospitality member, I understand that. Because the restaurant just got those stars, they're going to have an overflow of people and they're going to be extremely busy and they're not necessarily prepared for that kind of volume. Mm -hmm. So I already understand this. Just a disclaimer before I tell you this story. Oh, I already, I have a, a, my stomach is starting to get like knotted. So I go to this restaurant and you know what? The 
the, the funny thing is the food was all amazing. Zero complaints on food, but I had every complaint on service. And that's even for me as a hospitality uh, industry words member. I don't member. know. You were yeah. member yeah. before. Member. Yeah, it doesn't have to be like a professional thing. It's just like, yeah, you're you know, in I work in industry. It. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I realize, you know, it's very hard for us to judge those type of situations because we want to be very um, like empathetic. Yes, very empathetic. We want to give them the benefit of the doubt. But man, it took 30 minutes for me to get a Coke, a yeah. Coca-Cola. That was that was something else. So by the time they gave me one, I ordered another one. So I knew I was going to have to wait another 30 <laughs> minutes. You know what I mean? But simple but things s- like we're that. We're smart people like that. You know, if the bar is like five deep fucking and people keep coming exactly. in, you're like, I'm going to get two drinks. Exactly. But, Double tip. And then, you know, and then we'll be in good shape. Mm. But again, that's something we understand. Yeah, the average person wouldn't. Do. They would just look at their watch and like, you know, keep staring yeah. and be like, hey. Why did they deserve this Michelin hey. star? And, yeah, yeah. And then you're, and the then judgment you, gets like, in your head, you're like, okay, so mm-hmm. uh, how, how does this get remedied? Exactly. So I'm looking around the restaurant. I'm counting how many uh, servers are in my section. I'm seeing who's bringing the cocktails. And I realized with their setup, they had servers and then they had, I guess, runners specifically for cocktails. But it looked like those runners didn't know where the tables were. (laughs) They didn't know the the layout. Like the seat numbers. Exactly. Exactly. So you could see them kind of like with a tray of all these drinks be like, "Uh, did you wait, which drink is this? Right. So they didn't know the drinks. And they probably didn't Exactly. So I noticed all those little things. And you know what? Those those things are very fixable. They're not a big deal. That's very easy, very easy fix. But when you keep looking at it, then eventually I noticed a manager was walking around and I was like, I think I think this guy is a manager or he's a wine psalm. (laughs) Yeah. I can't tell yet. So I'm just going to keep staring. And eventually I noticed this guy only goes up to the tables with wine and chats to those tables. So I'm like, okay, so clearly he's, he's a wine song. If this place has one, cause if not, then that's the manager and he should not be talking to tables with just the alcohol involved. Cause he was definitely partaking in each table. You know oh, what I mean? Crazy. So I'm like, okay, that's cool. Like, hmm, what about us? Hi, let me let me wave at you. Like, yeah. hi, I want some of your yeah, attention. I just need a Coke. Like, that's I just, all I want. I just want to say hi. Like, give me some attention. Make me feel special in your Michelin star restaurant. Oh, we didn't get a bottle of wine, so we don't get that attention. Okay, mm. cool. That's that's nice. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, yeah. you, you just get exactly. You get different kind of emotions in your experience, especially when you look at your table next to you and you see the treatment that they get. So when I noticed all these little things, I'm like, okay, their food definitely deserves a star, but the staff definitely needs to have another round of training to keep up with the list. Mm-hmm. That's a great way to put it, to keep up with the list. Exactly. Like, to, to be at that level. Exactly. You know? But again, yeah, like and all no those. Wants, and no, no restaurant who gets to that level wants to like not represent their best ability, mm-hmm. you know? So... You guys are decide like re- recognize there's a problem, and but then what's really great about you guys is you're creating a solution, and so let's talk about like how that's going to be put in place and how people can like kind of utilize this for their restaurants. Yeah, so I'll kind of tee up Saki Bomb, but so for us, this kind of ties in with the philosophy of how and why we do inventory control the way that we do, right? Solutions-oriented, coachings-oriented. You can go in with someone who has no experience and they may read all the wrong signals and give you all the wrong feedback. 
not only do we want to have the right people in who can decipher the information in the correct way, right? But it's not just tattletelling on people. It's how to provide that coaching to the owner to make sure that the experience is what it should be for the guest. And that's where we kind of peel it back. And it's not mystery shopping. I hate that word. It has a negative connotation. For us, we call it guest service evaluation because at the end of the day, it's about the guest, right? The guest is what pays everybody's checks. It's what keeps the business going. Don't shoot the messenger. Embrace the messenger. Correct. Mm-hmm. And Listen, and, yeah. And, 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 that, and that is incumbent on us to make sure that it's the right messenger. So in this case, we know it should be someone that can, like, read the matrix, if you will, right? Nice. Like, yeah. it's, it's, it's not just like, oh, I didn't get my drink in five minutes. They were terrible. But it's someone who can provide, like, real feedback to ownership and management of why they weren't getting what they should have been getting. So the example for me is, like, kind of what you were talking about is, it's fine in, in, in a way. It's a learning experience. There's opportunity to get better if you go into a bar and it's slammed and you don't get served. If you can go back to ownership and management and say, like, hey, I was here on a Friday night and this is what we do for a living and you looked horribly understaffed. Let's, let's look at your trending sales. Why were you understaffed? Let's correct that because you lost guests that day that may never come back again. So it's really that coaching kind of environment. Like I kind of always tell people, you know, I come from pretty humble beginnings and where I come from and I got to go out to eat like once a month, maybe once every two months, right? And it was a big deal for my family. And if we went out and it was a really shitty experience, man, that sucked because that was a big deal for my yeah, family, yeah. right? Big letdown, yeah. Right. And so we just kind of assume everybody goes out and drinks all the time. And because we're in the industry, you're used to going out and drinking all the time. But for a lot of people, it, it really is kind of a special thing well, once a week, maybe once every two weeks. Which I think we lose sight of a lot yeah, of times. Absolutely. We get we do. By it. So how do you make people feel <laughs> no, but you're right, but how do you make people feel great when they come in? And that is really what's going to keep your bar flourishing and everybody making more money. So that's where we try to bridge that gap. It's not just with a cocktail napkin put down in front of me within 90 seconds and X, Y, and Z, but like ours is more being excellent by design. What is the ideal guest experience when they come in for all those different shifts? Happy hour, maybe it's Friday night. like Style a bar. Right, 100%. And that's where it's catered to you. Like if you just don't know, and you'd be surprised how many owners have no idea what that ideal guest experience is. When I walk into your venue, what do you want me to feel? Who should talk to me first? Where should I be directed? Where's your table tent? What are you pushing? Like, if you haven't thought about this shit, it's just going to happen by accident or by whoever you happen to have behind the bar. It should be well thought out. And mm-hmm. it's different for everybody. It's what makes you unique, right? So if you haven't thought about this, uh, Saki Bomb has made, <laughs> has made a very generic kind of like there are standards for a reason if you never come to me at the end of the bar like that's a problem it's not the bartender's fault necessarily but that's a standard that we can say if you didn't get to me for 15 minutes that's a problem and ownership and management should address why that happened right there Mm -hmm. are standards for a reason and once you strip away that basic standard now it's what do you want and uh the responsibility doesn't 100 percent land on the bartender no and that's the point and like Saki bomb said is like I don't know. I don't really know that many bartenders that are doing their jobs because they don't want to make money. And, <laughs> and like, I am throwing my hands in the air. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah like, every, I mean, I'd say 100% of the bartenders I know, which at this point is a lot. I feel like I know a lot of bartenders. Uh, like, every single person that shows up to their jobs, every single shift is there to make money. And the way we make money is by giving people things Mm -hmm. (laughs) like, and we want to give people as much as we can in 
the the trade of making really good tips by good service yeah. because that's the, the job we're in. And me speaking for myself, and I, I and I I don't know if anyone can relate. Is anytime I've fell short of the best of my ability is because probably I didn't have the tools or support that I needed. Mm-hmm. Or maybe my dog died. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> but like, uh, you know, like there's circumstantial situations. But in general, if a bar is having a struggling problem with a bartender, I'd say 95% of the time it doesn't land on just the bartender's shoulders. I completely agree. Um, I actually recently just read a book called The Culture Code. Have you guys heard about Mm -mm. that? No. It's a good book. Super good book. Um, So basically, actually, this was just in the introduction chapter. So if y'all just want to read like the first 10 pages, it's amazing. So in The Culture Code, it specifically talks about status management. And that blew my mind. I never had words to explain this until I read this book. So in status management, it basically had two multiple groups of um, test groups, multiple test groups, and they all ranged in different ages. They had, you know, different educational backgrounds. Some of them were business students. Some of them were CEOs, et cetera. And they were all being tested on how to build the tallest spaghetti tower. And the marshmallow has to be on top. So they're very, very like, you know, very basic science experiment. And guess guess who did the best out of that experiment? Kindergartners. Not CEOs, not business execs, none of them. It's kindergartners. And it's all because when they looked at how kindergartners and how adults decide to group together and do a task and achieve a goal together – Kindergartners don't care about status. They don't care about who's the leader. They don't care about who's making the rules, who's delegating. They just want to figure out how to do their job and just do it fun, right? Mm. We all lose track of that all the time, right? Yeah. Like even if we go into a bar and we, you know, as a secret shopper, bartender, whatever your position is, when you go into an establishment and you look, the first thing you automatically do is structure a hierarchy, right? Who's the bus back? Who's the bartender? Who's the manager? And you're trying to figure out the structure of each establishment. And then our position is trying to figure out what kind of bar are you trying to give us as a consumer, right? Is this a tiki bar? Is this a neighborhood bar? And when you try to figure all that out, finally, you're at a point where like, okay, cool. So you're a tiki bar, you have this, and I get your concept. But then when you finally get to your concept, you look back at the staff and you realize none of it reflects. Mm. Have you seen that? Concept is never consistent with bars. That's what I've noticed. And if that's the case, like how can you expect anything out of that out of that joint? If concept isn't consistent, management isn't consistent, staff isn't consistent, the culture in your company isn't consistent. And I think a lot – I mean like tacking on to like your, your thought of like the hierarchy and stuff – I think what loses sight in when you're going through these steps of like being a human and growing Mm -hmm. and learning, you're trying to get to this like status quo of like being the best, I guess is like kind of the goal. Yeah. That's the goal. Being a human. Mm -hmm. Uh, But ultimately it doesn't work that way because Mm -hmm. being the best means you have to have a team of people like being an expert means you have to be a trickle down effect, but you can't trickle down unless you have the best being your bottom. So your best has to start from the bottom in my opinion. And well, I just love like a good team is like a good team, 
Like you don't have to have like your like, I don't know, like Ronaldo or whatever that scores every basket for your Kobe or whatever. If you have mm-hmm. like a well-rounded team and you do embrace a messenger and mm-hmm. that and the people below learn or that's vice a- versa, that's the brilliant part of it. Because like, you know, I I've been bartending like a million years, uh, a good friend and coworker like you know lane compton who has been on the podcast before like he's taught me a shit ton of stuff Shout out. do i yeah do i always like embrace that necessarily like honestly like no some stuff but a lot of the stuff he has told me like makes sense and he never was like rude about it and i wasn't just like ignoring it because he's you know like we get paid the same why am i it's, it's mutual respect yeah mm-hmm. and, like, and, then, I re- and mutual I respect, respect should come from the owner to like the dishwasher all like, the way up and down. Yeah. And yeah. Like, if, he, if, if, I mean, we're talking about changing the world right now. Yeah. <laughs> I'm no, just saying. But, but Trying like, to change the hospitality industry, I think, is really the goal. Yeah. Because yeah. I think fundamentally it is broken and I think it can be fixed. And that's what we're talking about. And whenever, maybe I wasn't specific enough, like when we go to ownership and we say, like, what is that ideal guest experience? You'd be shocked how many have no idea what, what the fuck means. I'm talking about. Yeah, because mm-hmm. they and just what, wanted to open a bar and be the kingpin like, of this bar. Exactly, Jameson sells itself. Bud Light sells itself. They do a ton of marketing. Like what? Like I don't know what you're talking about. Yeah. And the right? owner no gets a walk. Like, or, or, yeah, the you, owner gets a walk around with a with a robe and like. But here's and a, my thing. It's like, how can you expect the people that you employ? to do what you want them to do if it's never been clearly conveyed. And we mm-hmm. talked about that a little bit earlier. Like I, I always, it's the same way with inventory and it's the same way that we agree with from the guest service evaluation. Everything for me, coaching always starts at the top, the top being the people who write the checks and have their name on the lease. Right. Cause if they're not fixed, nothing below them is. Gonna oh yeah. hundred percent. Mm-hmm. And that 100%. doesn't always rub people the right way. And I really don't give a shit that that's my philosophy and it's how I like to coach. And if everything from the top is fixed, it does trickle down. Whenever I hire someone in my own company, I say, or whenever I have an exit interview, if they quit or whatever, it's like, did I give you the tools to succeed? That matters because that's my feedback. If I didn't give you the tools to succeed, whatever that might be, enough staff members, enough bar, uh, bus, bus boys, or I didn't hire or buy the same bottles every week or whatever. Mm-hmm. The, if I didn't do my job as the employer, then how dare I hold you responsible as the employee? Amazing. It always yeah. falls on me first, and that's my coaching tactic. And that's really what we're trying to tackle with the guest service evaluation. I don't blame the bartender that's five deep and overwhelmed. Most likely is not his or her fault. I'm not saying every server's perfect. I have a million horror stories. Um, a couple of them are pretty funny, but the idea is if you have the right professional with the right perspective, they can provide the right type of feedback to get shit done. And that's what it's about. Yeah. Yeah. Hell yeah. Well said. Yeah. <laughs> Claps for that. Yeah. Now, now we, talk, we back you up. Talking about yeah. soapboxes, I'll get off mine now. So. No, no. Um, no. Or, yeah, my, my, I mean, as far as like the summary and stuff, I think it's awesome. I think it's incredible. I mean, like, you're going to tell me, if I were a business owner, you're going to tell me how to make my business grow and be better and my employees like be better and everything like that. Like, or at least help, I mean, not be, help them get better. Um, that's great. I love that. And like, and you can, and the cool combination of how you, you help in both the kind of number sense and like the very technical aspect of like, of like profitability and all that stuff. And then the humanity aspect of, you know, improving someone or an organization or mm-hmm. all of that, that combination is awesome. And I think that's great. I are, think that's a full package. You guys are, yeah, a very appealing duo. situation. I feel like my main point that I just really want to get across to everyone here is that when you hear the term secret shopper, to not be afraid of it. 
That is the main message I want to get across, especially with bar metrics, because when we say super shop, we're not even going to call that. It's going to be guest service evaluations with a lighter tone to it. Mm -hmm. But my main goal is to not get you guys fired. That is not the goal, you guys. I don't care if you're giving away drinks. I mean, to a degree I do. But (laughs) if you give away drinks, that's fine. But what I really want to see is, are you doing your job? That's great. And is your company and your bar owner providing the tools necessary for you to give that excellent service? Because it's not all on all on the bartender. It's just simply not like that. Mm-hmm. Amen. Yep. Amen. All right. So, like, going out on this thing, of course, let's get your information out to our listeners. If a bar if a bar owner is listening or a bartender is listening, it's like you know what. You, I think our bar fucking needs this shit. Like, uh, how how does anyone get a hold of you guys? How do you set up, how do you set up an account? You're obviously not just in Los Angeles. You're all over the place. So, like, how how would somebody get in contact with you? Yeah. So our our main like headquarter website is uh, barmetrics.com. B A R M E T R I X dot com. Um, and you can look for me. I like I said, I run the L A area. Um, and my name is Arno Stimmer, and you can find me there. Barmetrics.com. Barmetrics.com. And that's with an X. Correct. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's not bar matrix. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. And I think for one last thing, you did mention there was a service story that you could talk about. Do you want to go out on one service story? Yeah. And I think this one will be a little contrarian to where you guys stand. So so feel <laughs> free because I come from the, the money perspective. I had a new client and I had never been to their bar as a patron. I've been working with them for a little bit from my perspective. And I said, I'd never been here before. I fit the demographic of younger person, some disposable income. You tell me when you want me to come in. Who are you kind of concerned with? Who's been here a little bit longer, a little kind of resting on their laurels? He said, come in at this time and that time. And I said, I'd like to spend $150. Is that okay? And he said, yep, that's totally fine. I went in there with my fiance. We'd never been there, by the way. So it was happy hour time kind of crowd. I got Saul twice, and there was hardly anyone at the bar. This person was flirting with two good-looking ladies towards the end of the bar, and I spent $38. Ooh. Right? And I had gone in with the intent of spending 150 and I'm a generous tipper, right? About mm-hmm. 30% on average. And then I did a staff meeting for this very company the very next day, and the guy saw me, and his eyes got real big. And I was like, I'm not here to, to get anybody in trouble, but I can tell the person who waited on me yesterday they lost a lot of money and the chance to turn me into a patron. It's hyper-competitive out there, and you lost a lot of money. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't because you were slammed or whatever. It just You just didn't give a shit. And that's, I get it. If you, if you But again, that starts for me with ownership. Yeah. If people aren't, you're either growing or you're going down. You're very rarely static, right? Mm-hmm. So how are you being pushed as an employee all the time? And so, and after that, the guy actually, turned it around and now he's actually managing the place and he's a savage. He's fucking, <laughs> he's amazing. And, but, but, but what I told the owners, I was like, what I saw had nothing to do with his ability. He just wasn't that engaged because you weren't making him engaged. Mm. And like, oh. so how did that, even though you were in a scenario where you knew what the setup was, it's how did it make you feel no matter? Like, like what was your like feelings and thoughts on the entire like scenario? Were you like, fuck, I wish this guy would set it like, step up or were you like fuck there's something missing here yeah it, it, it was more and when we talked about this because this at the time was a relatively new client and there was no like how do i because you should know if especially if you work happy hour a lot you like you know who your regulars are mm-hmm. and there was no like hey man if you see a new person 
not only try to upsell them in X, Y, and Z, but like get that call to action. Get them to come back. If you see them drinking tequila, say, you know what? We got margaritas on Monday. You should definitely come back for margarita Monday. Like you're building your own business and your own brand. That had never been conveyed to staff. They're just kind of going through the motions. They'd been there for a few years, and there's frankly, they were bored. They weren't being asked what they wanted to do or how can they grow more. All that had just kind of been stripped away. And they get and a lot of times in bars like that where it's like stagnant, you just kind of accept they're like, this is all the money I'm gonna make. Correct. This mm-hmm. is this is the amount of effort I have to do. Yeah. And I know this the is the money level. that I have because mm-hmm. I know if I put more effort in, it's not gonna change anything because there's no one else around me that is supporting me to make it the change. But if you if you wait on me for five seconds and I order my double jack and diet and two shots of fireball. You're gonna get some money out of me. Mm-hmm. You should keep coming back. Yeah, I'm gonna Those order a lot of drinks. You're gonna be empty. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh shit! Fireball. Fireball. Give it to me. Soggy Bob shaking her head. Yeah. <laughs> Any fans of Jack Fire over there? Oh shit! <laughs> All right, you can now, keep it. Yeah. Now you hear that Jack Fire? We're mentioning you over here. But uh, no, I I mean 100. I think you guys are on the right track. I, I I know as a bartender and been a manager and now podcast person, yeah. <laughs> uh, I, I have a lot to say. I have a lot of opinions. I've been in this industry for a long time. And so this is a, a fresh look and a fresh view. And I think a supportive view that I, I would have liked in many different scenarios. So, uh, and, and not feeling persecuted for the actions that I have when yeah. my entire actions are always in the right mode of like, I know that if my the business keep the lights on then i make money and i know the only way that business keeps the lights on is if i make money so Mm -hmm. (laughs) so it's a it's a give 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 in all aspects of this industry so thank you guys for recognizing that yeah yeah thank you i think most people want to do good ultimately yeah you're gonna you're telling an avenue to do so you're telling me that even if i make a mistake that i can still like learn from it and eventually like just get better like hell yeah what it's all about you know? like the way life should be yeah yeah <laughs> growth exactly. mindset all the time we're yeah. all human we're on the same yeah. like we, we all, all want to do the same thing yeah hell yeah but uh, yeah i think it's great i think it's awesome so, thanks, guys. thank you guys i love you guys <laughs> group hug uh, group yeah. hug and better yet let's uh again uh bar metrics make sure you check them out and it's it'll, you guys will help any bar that's like feels like that there's a like a uh, disbalance of what's mm-hmm. happening. And if you're a bartender, like, dude, reach out to your bar owner. Be like, I feel like things are a little unbalanced. I'm not feeling it. On a side note, I know there are people out there that uh, correlates bar metrics to John Taffert. We are nothing like John Taffert. We yeah. are not mean. We are not going to persecute anybody. We don't throw glasses. That's the big thing is we don't shatter glasses. That's really not our Unless shit, you bump so. into them in the middle of the night <laughs> yeah. with the lights off. Because I'm yeah. tired. Didn't <laughs> <laughs> leave the lights on for me when I walked in. <laughs> yeah, definitely yeah. not John Taffer. We are not the reality TV show. We are a real business. And we're going to come at you in a very nice, polite way. And you all nice. have normal size necks. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. That is very important. Right. Cheers. Normal Cheers. size yeah. necks. Hey, <laughs> oh, thank you guys so much for spending time on Talk Tales. Yeah, thanks for having thank us. Thank you. Talk Tales. Talk Tales. Talk Tales.